Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. On the mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, in our hope, and in our waiting, we are never alone. God is with us. one on yet? Hey, we're going to get the hang of it today, I promise. Speaking of storms, are we on? Are we good? Awesome. All right, now I need your help. All right, sorry, we're back, we're back to it. I need your help this morning. So, you remember when you were a kid, and you would lay down, and you would look up at the ceiling at night, and you remember how dark it was, and you remember how quiet it was, and you remember how peaceful it was, and then you remember uh, off in the distance, you could hear the thunder. You remember this? You knew that the peace and quiet that you were experiencing was soon to be gone. And you were just wondering in the back of your mind as a little kid, how long, how long, how long am I going to make it? So you're laying there, and you remember it starts with the wind. So give me your best wind impression without passing out. Nobody pass out on me. Come on. Give me some wind here. Here we go. You remember, that's right, keep going, keep going. You remember the wind as it would go through the screen windows and all of a sudden it'd make that loud, you gotta keep going here. You'd make a loud howling noise and you remember when the house began to sort of like creak and move and, and you knew that it was coming and then you remember the first drops as they began to hit. You remember this, right? Come on now, right? Just, hey, you're not too young, you're not too old. Come on, participate with me here. I need your help. I need a storm. This is like not even close to a storm. So you got the few drops that start coming down. And you remember thinking there, laying there, in just that moment, it's going to get worse. And then all of a sudden, what was just a few drops turned into a steady rain. Now, y'all pat your thighs. Remember this? Some of you didn't go to school, did you? You don't remember this. You pat your thighs, right? And there's a steady rain. And you knew that the steady rain was about to give over to a deluge and that it was going to be a downpour. And next thing you know, right, it is a downpour. So you clap your hands, you snap, come on, stop your feet, here we go, everybody, loud storm, right, you remember this, you are the, there were 20 people in the last service, and they're louder than you, and you remember when the thunder, and the lightning, and the booming, and your body shaking, and you remember you pulled up your sheets over your nose, and then you decided, I can't take it anymore, and so you ran down to your parents' room with all of your other siblings, the storm's still going, and you're scared to death, and as soon as you got in your parents' room, you were at peace, because you knew that your parents were with you. There was this understanding that they were going to protect you even though they really couldn't do anything. But then you remember as a kid, your, your understanding of the storm sort of shifted, right? As you got older, 
your understanding of the storm shifted. I remember when I was a kid and I was over at my grandmother and grandparents' house and my, my mom just decided, hey, you know what? It's a hot summer's day. You guys are annoying me. I want you to go out and I want you to go play in the street in the middle of the storm. This was the day, y'all remember this, when you could just ride on the hump in the car or you could ride in the back of the station wagon with no seat belts with the window down. And you could wave and hang out and, you know, throw stuff at the car behind you. You remember this? This is how kids fell out and that's why you wear seatbelts today. But um, this was that day, and my mom said, hey, you can go play out in the street. Uh, and it was so much fun because it was raining so hard. And this is on Broadway, uh, one of the biggest, you know, busiest streets in the thriving metropolis of Piqua, Ohio. By the way, that is my hometown. If you don't know that, that is the setting for Captain Underpants, the cartoon, um, because of the underwear factory that was in Piqua, Ohio. So just a fact if you didn't know that. But I remember we were standing on Broadway in this busy street. It's pouring down rain, and I'm sitting next to the curb with my brother and my sister. And, of course, you know, my brother and I, we've got our shirts off, and we're little kids, and we're, we're laying in this stream. All this water that's gushing down the, the, along the curb is like this, you know, it's like the lazy river, except it wasn't so lazy. And I remember we were fishing for snails and worms and Lord knows whatever else was flowing down the street from all the rain. But what was really cool was uh, next to the sewer, the sewer was backed up because there was so much water, and it was kind of pouring into the street, and it was like this giant pool that we could play in. You know, back then, we didn't really, who, who really thought or cared that you were playing in sewer water? Nobody really cared. You know, that's maybe why I am the way I am, I guess. But at the end of the day, it was so much fun. And what once brought us fear and panic suddenly turned into, as we got older, opportunity. And there was a shift in our understanding, there was a shift in our understanding of the storm narrative, of the storm stories. And the question I want to ask you this morning is this, have you, have we made the shift in our faith journey? Typically, we talk about you for a while. We are going to talk about you. But I would just say this. If you're following Jesus or you've decided, I, th I think I might want to, I might follow Jesus, I'm on the cusp of doing it. Listen, we're glad that you're here today. This is definitely for you. But the question I want to ask you is, in your relationship with God, your personal relationship with God, have you matured? Have you, in some sense, grown up? Has there been a shift in your narrative, in your understanding of who God is in your life? Is there forward movement? And the reason I ask that is because for so many of us, when we face problems, when we face storms, we love to look up at God and we love to say, where are you? Are you? with me. And I would just say this, if you're not growing, if you're not moving, if your relationship has not made a shift when it comes to growing deeper with God in your life, you will always ask this question. And so this morning, I want to look at a guy named Luke. Many of you know he was a biographer, but I love Luke's story because he stumbles, he stumbles into God's story. In fact, he had a lot of storms. He had a lot of questions about God. In fact, he didn't even believe in Jesus. And so long story short, he doesn't believe the Jesus stories. He meets with people who believe the Jesus stories. They tell them all these stories. He listens to different people tell the same story over. He believes that it's convincing enough. And he just decides at the end of the day, all right, if they say it's true, it's got to be true. This many people cannot tell the same stories over and over and over again if it didn't happen. 
And so Luke just decides, no longer am I going to stumble after Jesus. No longer am I going to have all these questions. I probably will have even more questions in my faith journey. But at this point, I'm deciding to follow him. And so this morning, I love it because he gives us this story because he knows at some point in your life, at some point in your relationship with him, you have serious questions. You have serious storms. The bottom line is, is many of us struggle to make that shift. And so here's how he starts the story. Jesus said to his disciples, I love this. We're going to stop here. I know you're like, wait a minute, not yet. We only have three verses a day. We're not going far, but here's where he starts. He says, Jesus said to his disciples. Notice he doesn't say to anybody else. Notice he doesn't say to bystanders or people passing by. Notice he doesn't say to everyone. He says to the select few who decided to follow. These guys are the ones who intently, legitimately left everything behind kind of following Jesus' followers. These are the guys that he begins to speak to. Men and women, he begins to speak to. And Jesus is full of hope. You know, he always has these great witty comments, and uh, you never know where he's going with stuff. And so he gives his new followers hope, and here's what he says. He says, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Hey, hey, that's encouraging. I mean, I don't know what you signed up for, but hey, you can hear it in the disciples. Like, they weren't saying anything, but you could see it on their faces, and you could see it in their demeanor. They're looking at Jesus like, hey, just, just a minute. This is not what we signed up for. This is not what we, we did not sign up for us to get into sketchy situations. Listen, you, you said that you're the savior of the world. I remember the day I was on the boat and you decided to yell at me to come follow you because you said you were the Messiah and you were going to save the world and you're the savior of the world. And, and I'm not so sure that the savior of the world pulls people into sketchy situations. And Jesus just says it right up front. He says, hey, if you want to follow me, life will never be perfect. In fact, if you want to follow me, there's a good chance you will find yourself where you don't want to be. And he says it to him right up front. There will be things that when you follow me that cause you to stumble in life. Now, I, I, I got to tell you this story because this is so much fun. I was a youth pastor before I was a pastor here, and we were in Topeka. And when I took over our youth group, there was a handful of kids and um, students, and we, we had a great time. But it was so much fun because I walked in the first day, and I was expecting for a larger church for there to be more kids. And there were really just a handful of kids when we walked in. And, and I remember um, that first year, we had tremendous growth. In fact, we went from like six, seven, eight kids to like 50 kids in just a matter of a few months. And we, we decided to put kids into groups and we were watching the kids get connected with their leaders and get connected to other people. And we were watching them grow in their faith. And, and it was just, you know, it was just a really good time. And of course, like anything, anything in life, over time, there, it's sort of, you know, there's this arc to it, right? It takes off, it's growing, and then all of a sudden it starts to level out. And I remember thinking to myself, we're starting to lose momentum. I don't feel like we're growing as much as I thought we would. And in the culture that we were in, there was this expectation that there would be growth in your ministry. In fact, if you didn't have growth, you would meet with the executive pastor who would then set you goals. And if you didn't meet those goals, then there's a good chance you would be, you would be fired. 
Now, in all fairness to them, they were very patient with people, but I watched somebody get fired because they refused to meet the goals set for them. And so there was always this anxiety of like, hey, I've got to grow. We have to continue to like move forward and move up if we're going to keep this job that we have. And I remember as we kind of leveled out and we were losing momentum and I thought we were kind of stumbling, I started to say, hey, maybe we should quit pointing the finger at the youth pastor and we should look around at everybody else because the truth is when, 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 when it comes to the church, it's not getting any younger. See, this was my philosophy and I still think this is partly true, that your youth group can only grow when you're reaching young families. That your youth group is only going to grow because of the families and the young people that come to the church. Like, listen, not very often do outsiders come to the youth group. We had a few, but it wasn't the majority. And the people who attended the youth group typically were part of the church. And so I just looked around and I said, hey, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're pretty old. And not only that, but um, our worship is a little bit outdated. In fact, the, the leaders that are on the platform, I know this is crazy and you can't believe this, but they wore suits I mean, I don't know who does that, but they wore suits. And I remember thinking, just because you're wearing a suit doesn't mean you're dressed up. I don't, by the way, I don't know if you know this. For some reason, people think if you put on a suit jacket, apparently that means you were dressed up. Listen, if it is 20 or 30 years old and it's like a tweed smoking jacket with patches on the shoulder, it is not cool anymore. But apparently, that's what suits did. And so they wore suits, and I remember the preacher was in his 70s, and he just we were on different wavelengths, and I didn't feel like we connected at all. And, um, you know, I was very critical, and looking back, I, you know, that wasn't a good thing. But I remember pointing fingers at other people, and I remember saying, they're the reason why we're not growing. And my guess is, in your faith journey, that is your experience as well. Right, you want to grow with God, you want a personal relationship with him, you want to experience God in your life, but it seems like over and over and over and over again, there are things that cause you to stumble. Right, maybe you feel like, hey, uh, I want God to provide my life, and the next thing you know, your boss shows up with a pink slip. Hello, where are you, God? You, maybe you've been struggling with an illness and all of a sudden you get over the illness and you're like, praise God, and the next day you're sick again and you're like, hello. Or maybe this is, a, I mean, this is a struggle for a lot of you is you invest your life in other people. You give, you give, and you give, and, and, and you mentor people and you coach friends and you teach them only for them to make bad decisions over and over and over again. And at the end of the day, you just go and you rescue them and you wonder like, am I really making a difference? Is God really making a difference? I keep talking about how God can change their life, but nothing seems to be changing for them. And it seems like whenever we want to grow close with God, there's always something in our life that causes us to stay away from him. There isn't a person here, I don't think there's a person here, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, there isn't a part of you that wants something good for your life. And you know, you know that deep down, this relationship, this personal relationship but this guy who changed the world could change your life. But there are things that cause you to stumble. And so what I love is, you know, Savage Jesus shows up after he says this comment and the disciples are all wondering, hey, what's up with this Messiah guy? Uh, you know, he said he's going to save us and now we're getting into sketchy situations. And so here's what Jesus says. He says, woe to anyone 
through whom they come. Woe to anyone through whom they come. And I love this. Yeah, you can go. Go ahead. It would be better for them, and I love this, to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. You didn't know Jesus was so savage, did you? And you can hear it in the disciples. Now what they were like questioning, they were a little concerned, we're going to get in these sketchy situations, I'm not really sure about this. Now it's like, yes, the imagery of somebody who makes your life miserable. Come on, you've had these people in your life. They just suck the life out of you. They don't have the best intentions for you. They want to hurt you. They lie about you, right? These are your enemies, the people that you don't like every day. And Jesus is saying, hey, we're going to tie a stone around their neck, and we're going to throw them into the sea. And the disciples are cheering like, this is what we signed up for. This is the savage Jesus we're following. This is the guy that's going to change the world. He's just going to throw everybody into the ocean. And we get excited about that. We do, right? That's when you, when you think about the people that hurt you the most, when you think about the people that cause you to stumble over and over and over again, when Jesus says these words, you're like, that's what I want. That's what I want. Forget all that forgiveness stuff. But then Jesus finishes up that thought with the most ground-breaking few words we could ever understand when it comes to stumbling and storms and, and, and sticky situations, here's what he says. So watch. I love this. You need to watch out for. You need to pay attention to. You need to make sure you're looking out for yourselves. Wait a minute. Come on. What about all those other people? Notice Jesus doesn't, he doesn't talk to anybody else. He doesn't tell people passing by. He tells a specific few people, watch out for you. Now, I remember we were on this ski retreat with our students, and um, I was still venting about the fact that... um, our youth group was sort of leveling off, and I was sitting down across from one of these leaders named Jeff. I love Jeff. Jeff was one of the, uh, he owns one of the biggest furniture stores in Kansas, but you would never know that. He's sort of a round, burly kind of guy, and he is just really quiet, really patient. He's fun to be around, and he's got this mustache that hangs over his lips, and I love it so much. And when you talk to him, the only thing he says is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember sitting there saying, you know what? Our pastor is old and our worship is old and everything is old. And I was like venting. It was, it was an adamant, intent, lively discussion. And I remember Jeff the whole time going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, through his mustache. And I remember thinking, are you going to say anything or what? And he just kept nodding and kept shaking his head. And all of a sudden, in the middle of this conversation, while I'm venting about everyone and everything else, when I'm going off about all the other problems, I don't know what came over me. But it was in that moment, I said, and it just came out, the problem you see 
is me. Now that was hard to admit. You see, I didn't realize it at the time, but it took me venting for him for about 30 minutes, 40 minutes about where our youth group was and the frustration about not growing and the possibility of getting fired. And I remember thinking to myself, when that came out of my mouth, it was just like this reality that sort of brought this ease over me. Because I wasn't growing with God. I was stumbling in my faith. I was so busy with school and work and I was getting my master's and I had kids and I was trying to figure out how to be a parent and I didn't know how to do all that stuff. I was staying up late and it was, you know, anxiety attacks and all that junk and I just, I couldn't, you know. What I realized is I wasn't the spiritual leader for my students that they needed me to be. What I realized that there were a lot of kids who depended on me, there were a lot of students who depended on me and my leadership to teach them and show them where to go when it comes to God. And I, was failing them and I remember Jeff looked at me after I made that statement and I'm crying all over myself like a goober head and he says hmm you've got it you've got it and that's where you have to start And that's all he said. So, this is really what I want you to know today. The problem you see is me. In fact, I'm just going to give you permission to turn to your partner, and maybe based upon the conversations you had this morning on the way here, this might be helpful. Uh, But I want you to turn to your partner, and I want you to say, the problem you see is me. The problem you see is me. The problem you see is me. It's healthy. It's good. You notice Jesus says, Woe to anyone. Woe to anyone through whom they come. And you know what? Anyone is everyone and everything else. I want you to ask this question. Could it be I'm the one who's the anyone. Could it be that you are the one that is creating the limits for your life? In fact, I love the picture that Jesus gives us. I know it seems really harsh, but he says it would be better for you, not them, not anybody else, not anyone else. It would be better for you to have a stone tied around your neck for you to tie tie a stone around your face and to be thrown into an ocean that has 50 foot waves with no chance of you getting out of it and you're saying that seems so harsh but actually it's an act of God's mercy because he's saying it would be better for you to end your life quickly than to continue perpetuating the hell that you live in you ever met people who say I'm I'm, I'm, I'm living through hell or I'm going through hell or, or they'll say, you know, I feel like I've just been through hell or something like that. Have you ever noticed that the more you listen to their story and you, the more you listen to them hear, hear them talk, you realize that that storm that they're in, that hell that they're in was self-created? It was self-started? And I would say this, like, the sooner you could admit that you're the problem, the quicker that you'll get to the solution. 
That's right. Admitting you are the problem is the start to the solution. And I would say this. When you think about your life, when you think about where you are, when you think about your journey with God as you walk with Him and as you maybe stumble along with Him, the reason why you feel like you can't connect, you feel like you're in the midst of something terrible is because it's you've, something you've created. And often, often, I think those situations aren't legitimate. In fact, one of the biggest struggles that you face is fear. Fear has the capacity to freeze you. It has the capability of stopping you, stopping movements, stopping momentums, stopping people from living up to the life God has created them for. And so you're saying, well, how do I get out? The answer to that is, come back next week. In fact, next week, you know, is Christmas week, and uh, I would say this, there is part two of this story. It just, it just doesn't start with you, but next week, we're going to look at the second part of this story, and this is where it gets fun, especially when it comes to the fear that you face and that I face. But if you want to make a shift in your story with God, then it starts this week by you saying, the problem you see is me. I'm getting in my own way. And if you can start there this week, then you'll be ready for next week. And next week, here's what I need you to do. Over the course of the week, I need you to invite your friends. I need you to invite people. I need you to come back because part two is better than part one. And we're going to learn what we do with the storm. And it will drastically shape your story. So the question I want to ask you is, are you ready to make the shift. And before we leave and before we close this out and just last minute, I'm done with this. There is somebody here who needs to make a shift in their life. Maybe you're saying, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm ready to have something different. I realize that at the end of the day, I've only limited my life. It's not what God wants for me. It's not what God has done to me, but it's something that I've done to myself. And I would say this, it starts with Jesus. I know you may have questions just like Luke. I know you may have concerns, but for you, it is the point where you say, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm going to make the transition. I'm going to move forward in life and I'm going to grow. And so all you need to say is, Lord, I give you my life. Today, that's it. Lord, today I give you my life. All of me, every part of me. I humble myself. I, I lower myself before you because I understand without you, there's nothing I can do. And I want to get out of the mess I'm in. I want to get out of the storm I'm in. So my question is, will you make that shift?